sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. These are the words and teachings of Jesus, and they are particularly powerful teachings from the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. I'll ask you to please stand. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are the one who sat down on the mountain and gave us these words. Lord, I pray today that when your people hear these words, they don't hear something they have to be or do in order to have blessings, but that they hear them as a declaration of true grace for people who don't deserve them. Help them hear these words as your true gospel in faith today. I ask this in your name. Amen. You just heard me read nine Beatitudes. Would your eyes glaze over and roll into the back of your head if I read you nine more? <laughs> Don't say yes. I, it would ruin my introduction here. Are you ready for them? Number one, happy to finally say that I have officially signed my intent to play ball at OSU. Hashtag blessed. Number two, Forest Park has to be the prettiest park in the world. Hashtag blessed. Number three, I'm officially committed to the U of O. Hashtag blessed. Number four, can't post one baby's pic and not another's. I love her sweet baby face. Hashtag blessed. Number five, my son won Mathematician of the Year. So worth it to wake up early and practice with him. Hashtag blessed. Number six, Mexico, here we come. Hashtag blessed. Number seven, excited to say I'll be continuing my academic career at UW, hashtag blessed. 
Number eight, I bought my first car today. Hard work pays off, no handouts. Hashtag blessed. Number nine, offer letter. Hashtag blessed. Those are nine quick beatitudes. <clears throat> and try not to hate on me too much here. I really needed a strong search engine to be able to, to look up these hashtag statements. So I went to Twitter. Now, I was a little bit sick earlier in the week, and so I was lying down, and I went on Twitter on Wednesday morning, and I looked at the top nine hashtag blessed statements for the Portland area. This is what, this is what I came up with. And you would think... <laughs> that if I was going to be a very predictable pastor here, that I would go one by one with this beati these Beatitudes and I would pick apart everything that's wrong with them. And I'd talk about how none of these mention Jesus at all, but I'm not going to do that today. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to say that all of these hashtag blessed statements are blessings. <laughs> I heartily agree with all the things that these authors were doing here. You, you know, you should be really glad about the beauty of the natural world. And, and you should be glad about your, your education. And you should be excited about a scholarship. And you should treasure the time that you have with your children. All of those things are good. The thing that I want to show you is the really big difference between Jesus Beatitudes and the Twitter Beatitudes. The thing about Twitter's Beatitudes from this Wednesday morning is that they're all really obvious. They're all really obvious. And I think I, think I can say that all of us would be really disappointed if we opened up Matthew chapter 5 and, and, and we saw Jesus gathering the crowds around him and, and sitting down on the side of a mountain and opening his mouth and saying, Wow! Blessed are the people who get to enjoy such a nice day. <laughs> and, and, and blessed are those who get to appreciate this view. I mean, come on. You know, I think we'd be, we'd be sitting here thinking to ourselves, Okay, Jesus, yeah, beautiful, I get it. What else? <laughs> you know, Jesus doesn't do that. What he does with his beatitudes, with his blessed statements, is... He reaches for an Old Testament way of expressing truth. That's what Beatitudes are. Beatitudes are statements that lead us to believe really hard-to-believe truths. I mean, that's typical of every single beatitude in the Bible, that, that every single beatitude sounds counterintuitive and sounds a little bit wrong. Uh, I'll give you an example before we get into Jesus here. In the book of Job, you know, Job is, is suffering, and, and his friend, his friend um, Eliphaz, yeah, Eliphaz, he comes to Job and he says, blessed is the one who God corrects. I know it sounds a little bit wrong. It sounds a little bit counterintuitive. Let me tell you what sounds a little bit better. Blessed is the one that God doesn't have to correct. Right? What Eliphaz says, it sounds a little bit wrong, but that's what a beatitude is in the Bible. 
It's always counterintuitive. It always sounds a little bit wrong. And it always leads us to believe really hard things. One more thing before we get into the Beatitudes here. Almost always in the, in the Bible, Beatitudes are by themselves. There's just one Beatitude. Very rarely in the Bible are there back-to-back Beatitudes. It, it happens. It's very rare. So I want you to appreciate the fact that right here we have nine Beatitudes. We have back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back Beatitudes. I'm kind of leaning on this so that you can see with me, so that you can appreciate with me what Jesus is doing at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount. He is pushing these really hard-to-believe truths into our hearts. He's pushing these hard-to-believe truths into our hearts. Truths like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So the truth that Jesus is pushing into our hearts here is that really, really spiritually poor people and really, really sad people in their spirits and really, really meek people who feel so small in their spirits and people who are very, very well aware of their lack in righteousness, that person is blessed. And by the way, I want you to to know this, think about this, that Jesus isn't talking about four different distinct types of people. He's talking about one. The person who is spiritually bankrupt is the same person who is sad about that and mourns about that. And the person who is mourning about their spiritual bankruptcy is the same person who feels really small in their spirit and insignificant and unworthy. And the same person who is feeling insignificant in their spirit about their, their sadness and insignificance is the one who is constantly aware of the things that they lack and they are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And Jesus says they're blessed. And if you're starting to ask yourself the question, what in the world... These people shouldn't be blessed, and you're starting to get it. It doesn't sound right. That's really counterintuitive. A spiritually bankrupt person shouldn't be bailed out. It shouldn't happen, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. Did you notice that Jesus used financial terms when talking about this here? He used financial terms to describe the poor in spirit, the human spirit. He said they are spiritually very poor. It's a strong metaphor, and Jesus uses it often. And I think the reason that Jesus uses it often is because we can relate to it very well. We understand the basic mechanics of finances very well. We understand that it is finance that really drives our lives. 
We understand that it is finance. That is the reason that we need to get up in the morning and go to work so that we do not become financially destitute. You know, Jesus wants us to be able to see that so that he can, we can see that it is spiritual bankruptcy, destitution that is driving these beatitudes. Now, I'm going to do my best to, to illustrate this here for you. Spiritual bankruptcy, spiritual destitution looks like this. You know that you want to be kind to people. Spiritual bankruptcy looks like when you go to your spiritual ATM and you try to make a withdrawal, nothing comes back. Kindness doesn't come back. You don't have any spiritual capital. And so all that comes back is annoyance, frustration, maybe even anger. Spiritual bankruptcy means... means coming to your, your spouse or, or, or to your children or to your friends and, and knowing that you want to treat them well but not having any capital to be able to pull any of it off. And if you know what I'm talking about here, you know that you don't feel good about that. You want to be able to be kind to the people in your life and, and you lament the fact that you are spiritually bankrupt and don't have anything to give. And it makes you feel really small and insignificant and unworthy of being around the people that you love. And it makes you always, always, always aware of the things that you are lacking. And get this, get this, this spiritual condition, Jesus says, is blessed. Jesus says, you're blessed. It's always a bad idea to go against God's word. I'm not going to, but it sounds wrong, right? It sounds absolutely counterintuitive that, that someone who is spiritually bankrupt is going to inherit anything, and, and, and someone that is always sad is going to be comforted, and somebody that is really meek is going to be given everything, and, and that somebody who is lacking everything is going to be filled. It sounds wrong. It feels wrong. I know that we all know this from experience. I know this from experience. Right now is one of those times in, in ministry and life where I've been confronted with the fact over and over and over again that I am spiritually bankrupt. And I've been hurting about it, and it's been making me feel empty, and it's been making me feel like I'm not enough. And this week, you know, wrestling with this text and, and coming face to face with it, I've had to, to come face to face with my God in prayer and, and say, God, I was not enough today. I wasn't. God, I, 
I've been walking around feeling spiritually bankrupted even though you tell me I'm rich. And God, I've been walking around sad in my spirit even though you've given me every reason to be joyful. And Lord, I, I've been feeling small even though you tell me I'm your child. And Lord, I've been feeling like I'm lacking everything, even though you tell me that you've given me everything in righteousness. I feel like such a sinner. It's so hard to believe that we're blessed. I want you to, to recognize the truth of that. That's what these Beatitudes are showing us. It's one thing. That when you are experiencing your spiritual bankruptcy and destitution, it is the hardest thing in the world to believe that you are blessed. And, and when you're looking out at your life and all that you see is despair, it's so hard to believe that God says that you will be comforted. the hardest thing to believe that we're blessed. Do you ever feel this? This is why Christianity is so hard to believe, right? This is why without the Holy Spirit, Christianity is impossible to believe. It's literally unbelievable. It almost feels like Jesus would have been more credible if he sat down on the Sermon on the Mount and opened his mouth and told the people, cursed are the poor in spirit. Cursed. They don't have enough to get into heaven. And cursed are those who are always walking around sad. I've given them every reason to be joyful. And cursed, cursed are those who are meek in their spirit. Why won't they be more confident in spirit? They know I'm standing right behind them. And cursed are those who are feeling all the time like they need more righteousness. Haven't I given them it all already? What does Jesus do? He doesn't do that. What does Jesus do? This is why I love Jesus so much. <laughs> what Jesus does is he sits down on the side of the mountain and he opens his mouth and he gathers the people around him. And in the most lordly, beautiful, profound way, He teaches us to believe that we are really, truly, forever blessed. What's the most important word in the Beatitudes? It's not the word blessed. The word blessed is the word that appears the most times, maybe, but it's not the most important one. What's the most important word in the Beatitudes? It's the word for. I'll tell you why. I'm going to have to get word nerdy on you for a second here. What is the word for, therefore? The word for here, it's, it's causal. 
right? It's, it's a transition word, it's a logical word, and it's there in all nine Beatitudes. And the word for is the word that takes us from poverty to spiritual riches. So I'm going to ask you this question. What does the word for stand in for? It's Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit because of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit because Jesus has won for us the entire kingdom of heaven. Right? And blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn because Jesus has won for us heaven where there will be no more weeping. And blessed are those who are meek and those who are needing to be, uh, needing to be comforted because Jesus has won for them the entire earth. He's going to give it to them. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because Jesus went to the cross for them. He lived perfectly, he died innocently, and he rose so that he could give them his righteousness. Jesus is the reason that we go from poor to rich, that we go from sad to joyful, that we go from meek to a child of God, that we go from unrighteous to righteous. It's all Jesus. And that's why we can say we are blessed. And I'll tell you what, I'm banking on that. I'm going to use a financial term here. I'm banking on that. I'm banking on a Jesus who when I swipe my spiritual debit card and it comes up blank, I'm banking on a Jesus who will fill my account for me. And I'm banking on a Jesus who when I close my eyes tonight and I, and I try to go to sleep and I feel the sting of the things that I did wrong, he will comfort me with his forgiveness. I'm banking on that. I know he will. And I'm banking on Jesus who when I feel meek because I'm confronted with all of the failings that I have as a pastor and as a husband and as a dad, I'm banking that when I'm confronted with that, Jesus will still tell me, I will give you the earth. And I'm banking on a Jesus who when I finally draw my last breath here. Having lived a life aching to be better, aching to stop sinning, aching to serve Jesus like I know I should, that he will come to me and he will say, here's my righteousness. It's yours. I'm banking on that. And I know because Jesus told me back 
to back to back to back to back to back to back to back to back times that I am blessed. And you can know that you are too. Amen.